The following program is intended for mature audiences. You're listening to Bottom Shelf Recording Talk. Sounds boring. Oh my, yeah. With your hosts, James Seabrook. Okay, you were paying attention, but the idea is clear in my head, but translating it into English is not. That's brutal. I understand the hypocrisy. And Joey Roach. I don't even know what you do. I was just told you were the man. Some people would say I'm overconfident. That could be my ego talking, though. I'm trying to think of the right word. Oh. Yeah. Must be a tough word. Next subject. Uh, you're bored with this one? You don't hear us gashing on about it. Give you in the horn. I don't think it means what you think it means. By the way, you know, when you're when you're telling these little stories, you have a big mouth. Here's a good idea. What are you even talking about? Have a point. Why are you airing personal matters with complete strangers? It makes it so much more interesting for the listener. All right. So, today is today is a first for the podcast. I am doing the podcast solo. Joey is stuck in Calgary and he's not going to make it back for the podcast. We had two people lined up to come in and replace him. Both I'm pretty sure are sleeping this early in the morning because it is, we usually do this at nine and it is nine 30 now. So, um, it's entirely possible that by the time the end of the show today, rolls around, I will have been talking to myself for an hour, which is a little longer than I usually talk to myself. Normally it's in small bursts of mumbles and grumbles under my breath or, you know, chastising myself for doing something that I know better. (laughs) For example, yesterday, I was sitting in front of a student. We were going over his mix um, and his mastering job. Uh, I think it was his first mastering uh, of his own mix. And we're talking about the limiter. We're talking about, um, it was Pro Tools Maxim limiter, which isn't really a limiter. It's kind of a, uh, whatever. If you're interested, go look it up. I think it's a terrible sounding thing, but. Well, excuse me. I was bypassing it to try to hear the difference. And then I was level matching and I got it level matched to hear the difference and then left it in bypass and started playing around with the settings and increasingly got frustrated and grumbled to myself about why I can't hear what this damn thing is doing. And then of course I looked up and saw the bypass and the student and I both had a interesting little chuckle about it. Um, but I must've spent a good two minutes bursting out talking to myself. So that kind of thing happens a lot. Anyway, um, this is, has the potential of being a train wreck episode because I am literally going to try to be organized and coherent for the whole episode. Now, I don't know how much tangent is going to happen because usually the tangents are inspired through conversation and I'm clearly not going to be inspired by someone else to go off on a tangent. So they're all going to come from me as I'm talking through this stuff. I have four notes on a piece of paper in front of me. 
Um, it's the first time in a long time we've written it down. Uh, probably 20 episodes anyway. But who would have guessed by the 88th episode we would not have had any catastrophes like this? Anyway, we'll, <clears throat> we might get to the end and not see it as a catastrophe. Who knows? We'll find out soon enough, I guess. Okay, so the first thing I wanted to... First thing I wanted to dive in on is G-Radio. I don't talk about G-Radio enough. You guys are possibly listening on G-Radio right now. Um, if you're not, uh, gradio.ca is the online online radio station that broadcasts a whole bunch of local podcasts and a ton of local music. Um, they they um, streams on gradio.ca. Uh, they have a wonderful app that is going through a facelift. Um, I believe it's uh, Gorilla Radio. Let me just look that up on my phone, actually. Um, bow, bow, bow. Oh, someone is sending me pictures. I will take a look at them in a sec. Uh, where is the damn thing? I think it's right there. Yeah, it's called uh, Gorilla Radio, and the logo is a fist made out of the G. Um, anyway, fantastic, fantastic app that um, that you can listen to this show on. You can listen to many other shows. Um, they um, most of their evenings are filled with filled with local podcasts from both the G Radio Network, um, the Alberta Podcast Network, which I want to talk about in a sec, as well as independent shows like this one and um, Cups and Cupcakes. I'm probably getting that name wrong. You know what? They're part of the Alberta Network, aren't they? Uh, maybe not. Doesn't matter. Um, it's a great, great source of local local music, really. Um, they are broadcast through a lot of local shows, uh, or sorry, local stores, um, and they only do local music, which is cool. So gradio.ca, um, support them check them out spread the word it's pretty awesome and that's because most of you that are listening are not inside not inside our local area so that is the edmonton alberta canada local music um yeah so there you go transitioning out of that um i did mention the uh, Alberta podcast, G Radio broadcasts a lot of Alberta podcast network um, podcasts, and according to their according to their thing, um, Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. This is going to read like an advertisement. Um, <laughs> uh, builds audiences for Alberta made podcasts and connects those audiences to Alberta based businesses. Um, basically, it's a it's a promotions and um uh and beyond network that's trying to raise money for podcasts um through advertisement and connection networking and it's largely financed or largely um 
sponsored by, powered by, they call it powered by the Alberta Treasury Branch, which is super awesome. Um, they have lots of um, central, northern, and southern Alberta um, podcasts. And you can find them all through albertapodcastnetwork.com. Um, Karen Ingram, no, no, Karen Unland and Katrina Ingram are the uh, are the primaries for the network. They are the people that you would talk to if you reach out and say hello. Um, uh, Karen also has her own podcast, Seen and Heard Y-E-G, which is all about blogs and podcasts in Edmonton um, with the idea of promoting those podcasts, promoting those blogs and exposing the content creators to wider markets. Great to talk to both those ladies. Um, every chance I have to, uh, to chat them up. They always have new ideas and so many things on the go. Um, if you can cra- if you can track them down, um, you can find them again through the Alberta podcast network. Um, yeah. Okay. See, this is the, uh, this is the train wreck. How do I keep talking? Um, it's a good thing I have notes, but I'm halfway through my notes and we're not even 10 minutes in. So we'll see how this goes. Okay. Um, with the thing in mind about, I'm talking about podcasts, I'm talking about the local radio station. We have built here at the studio, and this is our, this is day two, um, or episode two in the new studio that we built in part to host this podcast. Now, I mean, I admit complete selfishness in wanting to do that prior to prior to this, we had been setting up and tearing down a handful of microphones in the control room of the studio, which is cool. It sounds great. Um, the background is, is, um, me sitting at my Soundcraft console that, um, not only looks awesome, but sounds great. And I have a ton of fun working on every day. And then of course, all the lights and flickering doodads in the background. Um, but such a pain, especially when we have, when we have guests like we were supposed to have today, um, but don't, which is fine. The, uh, Ooh, there is a screw coming out of the capsule of this microphone and I'm going to have to fix always something anyway. So in April, I think, um, I took on a partner here at the studio, Roland Rodas. Um, his real name is Rolando, but he hates that name. Um, and if he listens to this podcast, he's going to slap me for telling everybody. Um, he started working here at the studio and both of us are trying to work full time out of the studio we realized pretty quickly that with just one space, one facility, we are butting heads quite a bit because he's a busy guy. I'm a busy guy. Both of us have enough on the go that it creates scheduling conflicts. 
And so we figured there are multiple different reasons for us to build a second space. So what do we do? Um, we realized we need another mix space, another edit space, somewhere where whoever is using downstairs, someone else can come upstairs and keep editing, mixing, um, composing, whatever you need a whatever you need a space for that is isolated from the rest of the world. On top of that, I do a handful of voiceover work, not just me as the voice, but more often it's other people doing voices uh, or voice work for other brands, other whatever. Um, and it just made sense to have a more customized space for that. Something that they could sit down at a table or stand if they wanted, but have a, <clears throat> excuse me, have a, um, a quick in and out voiceover space. Um, something that we can also keep really cheap and they don't need an engineer to run. Um, the idea here is even right now with this podcast, I have my laptop plugged into a USB interface. Um, I have one of the blue microphones, Kiwi, um, uh, one of the two that we have actually I have both of them set up, but, um, I'm talking into one of them right now and it's just always set up. Now there will always be cases of us wanting the Kiwis elsewhere. There are fantastic microphones, but that's not the point. It's set up, ready to go, plug in your USB and you are up and running. No need for setup, no need for any engineering. It's good to go. As long as you have a laptop, as long as you have something that you can record to. Now, that's not going to be convenient for everybody. So we are looking into, we are looking into getting a, a, um, a permanent computer terminal that the USB can be plugged into all the time, um, which will, you know, provide us with something quick and easy for, uh, for sitting down and hitting record, which is fine. There's no, there's no need to, um, to have something complicated, especially we're just doing, we're just doing voice stuff back here. It's unlikely that this will be used for say guitar amps or no. I can see someone getting really creative and turning this into a, an acoustic studio. It'd be pretty easy to, to set up say like an acoustic duo, um, here and, make that sound pretty good. I could see someone doing that. Um, not what we've intended for, but so because we have this set up for voices, we figured we might as well extend that to being set up for podcasts as well. Um, and with that in mind, we got a table large enough for four people to sit around because if a podcast has more than four people, that's super confusing. 
we set up four nice microphones that are interchangeable. So if you, for whatever reason, don't want to use what we have set up, you can get something else. Um, we, again, we have the interface already going. The microphones will always be set up, so it'll be super easy to sit down at a moment's notice and start recording. That's the idea anyway. We've even, we're even putting templates together for a variety of different software so that whatever software you want to use, you can be pretty, pretty much set up and good to go. So that's the idea. On top of all of this, we really want to keep it affordable. Um, we want it used a lot. It just makes sense to have it used a lot. And so we want to to remove that obstacle of people having to come up with too much money to use it. Uh, it's, it's one thing to come up with a couple hundred dollars for a cheesy, it's not cheesy. There's some great $200, $100 setups for podcasts or whatever at home, right? I know people that do podcasts entirely with the microphone on, on their laptop. There's nothing wrong with that. Sound quality for some people doesn't matter. For those, for the rest of us though, or for some of us, it really does. That's why I wanted nice microphones. Um, I wanted a nice sounding room. Um, we have a quick little tutorial that we run everybody through so they understand how to use a microphone properly. Um, because to me, sound quality matters in a podcast. It doesn't to everybody and that's fine, but okay. So that's the, that's the general setup. Um, it's easy. It's simple. It's clean. Um, Jeff from G radio was in here last week, taking a look at it and he called it super chill, super relaxed, which I was really happy to hear because that's what we wanted. We wanted something that, something that was relaxed enough that anybody can come in and not feel, not feel stressed or pressured or whatever anybody might feel. Right. Because shit, if you're under the, if you're under pressure to talk (laughs) like right now, uh, there's going to be lots of stumbles. There's going to be lots of brain farts. I'm sure I'm going to have a big pregnant pause. Blah. Anyway, so we're also, as I mentioned just a few minutes earlier, we're also using this space as a mix and editing suite. Um, again, we have... We have interface. Uh, we have a Thunderbolt interface right now anyway that is set up and ready to go. Um, it's super easy for anyone to bypass our interface and connect to the Focal monitoring that we have going on here. Um, we will eventually have some, some nice um, analog equipment. Um, set up and ready to use. Um, 
because again, we want this to, we, we want to create some value and we want it used a lot. Now, both Roland and I will be using this suite quite a bit, but on top of that, we want other people to use it. We already have a couple of, a couple of engineers that are, that are looking at doing just that, that are looking at renting this space to reference their mixes or make changes to their mixes or do their mixes entirely. Um, and the idea is they can do that without any problem. Sit down, ready to go, especially, especially if they're using <clears throat> like two of the guys we've talked to recently are using Babyface uh, from RME. Um, simple, mobile, um, keeps their interface consistent, although that doesn't really matter. Allows them to easily plug into our monitoring at the desk, which sounds really nice, sounds really focused. Um, and super simple. Um, as I said, we're going to have, we're going to have some analog equipment in here for people to use should they choose, should their interface allow, or if they want to use ours, then of course it would allow. Um, all that'll come. But again, we want to keep this super affordable so that people coming in to use it aren't shelling out a ton because the mixing and editing thing, there is just not a ton of money to be had in music, which is what most of us do. That's where most of us find our employment. Um, I make the joke with people that ask all the time, I've never made less money, but I'm working in music, so I've never been happier. And that's important to remember. Um, yeah, I'm going to swing this into a, into another direction. Um, more along the lines of a lesson I've had to reteach myself. Um, and I've been trying to get to this place for a long time. Um, the last time I did any serious recording was before I had the studio, which at this point was, well, we're coming up on the studio birthday here. So over eight years ago, um, and I did two recordings. I did two recordings that year. Actually, that was 2009, right? Yeah, that was 2009. So I did, I did two records in 2009, my own stuff. Four song EP and a, what was supposed to be a nine song record, um, but it only ended up being seven. I did them in two different home studios, both mine, um, both different setups, but both mine. The first one, which... Um, we actually use that original recording and mix from 2009 as our intro music. Um, that was done in a plaster living room, plaster walls living room. That was, it was kind of a, it was the shape of a, what, what shape was that? That was the shape of 
I guess you could call it the shape of like a like a pregnant U. Um, yeah, doesn't matter. wasn't wasn't specifically square, but it was kind of rectangle, but it was a little longer down one side. Doesn't matter. Um, I had an iMac running um, running through a old digital Tascam mixer. Um, recorded everything through those Tascam preamps. Um, a little bit of the stock preset TC Electronic um, digital compression, and just a ton, probably I don't specifically remember, but a little bit of a little bit of the uh, TC Electronics digital EQ as well. Because I mean, everything was digital. Um, we recorded drums in that room. We then tore down the drums and set up keyboards and guitars, uh, vocal mic. Um, we recorded everything from rock guitars and DI'd bass to um, to banjo and 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 jugs. <laughs> we, one song has a uh, actually yeah it's the it's the song that we use for the intro here, Little Circus. We actually have filled up some big old bottles and tuned them to the, I don't remember if you hear them in the, um, in the, uh, um, I think it's in the outro, um, tuned them to the two pitches and then we blowed, um, blew on them. Hoo, hoo. That's a terrible impression of them. We'll just play it for it later. Anyway, the, the important thing about this was it was, it, it was important for me to have gone through that process to get where I am, but more importantly for me to revisit that process, to revisit something that is very personal to me. It was a very personal recording. Um, the musicians I was playing with were very dear to me. Um, still are in many ways. Um, though the band has long since, um, gone our separate ways, but the process I've gone through over the last six months, yeah, it's been six months. Um, I have re-edited, um, a lot of the performances because they weren't, we, we allowed a lot more looseness to exist in the performances. Um, and I didn't want to remove the humanity, but I wanted to remove the sloppiness. Um, those of you that have seen me play know I'm a very sloppy guitar player, things like that. Taking that on to the mixing phase, um, and realizing how, how do I put this realizing how lazy I was prior to starting the studio as far as recording details go um, the details matter and I wish I'd paid more attention back then but it was also a good reminder of 
what to expect from a home studio recording. Lots of problems, lots of noise issues, um, lots of instruments and voices mic'd too close. Um, that is certainly an issue. Um, the, uh, excuse me, but more importantly, me going through the process of mixing my own music, mixing something that's very, very personal to me. Um, something that I not only have pride in the work that I do, but I have pride from an artistic perspective was a very good, important reminder of what the musicians that I work with go through every time someone else has their hands on, on their, on their music. Specifically, I mean, I finish a mix. I send it off to a client. They have to review it. They have to analyze it. And because they're so close to it, they're so in touch with the details. It was a really good exercise for me to have gone through to remind myself how deep that connection actually is. Because truthfully, when I do a mix for a client, I do have that I do have that touch of separation. Now most of the time that is that is usually a really good thing. Because it allows me to be more objective, to make decisions more effectively. But when you're so close to a project that it's a challenge to remain objective, well, shit, that's just a, that's just a big shit show. I glad I got through this. Um, there were certainly spots where I had to remind myself that I need to remain objective um, because I was getting too caught up in the minutia of the minutia of a snare drum or, or the thought process that something needs to be more consistent. Um, the idea that the mix I had from 2009, I needed to preserve some elements. Um, when in truth, they probably didn't sound all that great to begin with. Um, and it was, it was, also refreshing to work on something that I was really excited about. Um, and that's not to say that I'm not in love with every project that I work on, because the truth is by the end of just about every project, I'm pretty excited about it. Um, even if it's, even if it's something I wouldn't otherwise enjoy, um, But to have that, have that come back to something that is, or at least was music that I really, really felt passionate about. That was a good refresher. Mm, Excuse me. And at the end of the day, at the end of the day, I'm doing this for personal selfish reasons anyway. I mean, 
I haven't, I haven't found anything since 2013, um, that I've been really excited about musically. Um, the, the overwhelming dominance of hip hop and R and B, excuse me, mostly hip hop. Um, although if someone can really explain the difference, I would certainly appreciate that. Um, the overwhelming influence of hip hop on popular music culture is something that I'm not super into, but also the genericizing of so much popular music. What's considered popular today. Anyway, I also don't really enjoy. Um, Joey and I talked about this, I don't know, a month ago, maybe more where I was doing a, doing mixing an EP for a band and they'd given me a song that they were really interested in. And I had to give it, uh, sorry, a song that they wanted to use as their reference track, the references for their mixes. They said, if, if, if our songs can fall into this, this vibe, then better. And so use that as a comparison. But the big thing that I, um, that I found so disheartening about it was arrangement wise, it wasn't very interesting. Um, dynamics or dynamically it had almost nothing. Um, it was a ton of energy start to finish. Uh, and that's, that's great because there was a ton of energy start to finish, but I didn't feel any sort of enjoyment listening to it. Um, it was, eh, I gotta say as much energy as it had, I wish I could remember the name too. Um, not a local artist. So wouldn't belong on G radio. <laughs> uh, but it, I just found it, I just found it boring. And I find so much of that these days. Now there's so much music out there that it's impossible for me to, I mean, I'm sure there's stuff out there that I just haven't run across that I'll absolutely love. Um, but I find myself more going back to older music, not older. Well, yeah, yeah. Find myself going back to the eighties and going back to the seventies to, to rediscover albums that I, that I loved and spend more time listening to them. Um, uh, it helps that I have, it helps that I have the bulk of my record collection digitized and I can listen to that on the way to work and I can listen to that on the way home. Um, because there's not a lot of time for listening to music outside of that. Um, at least recreationally, but everything is so, everything is 
this is this is almost going to turn into a a rant on loudness because that's that's one of my biggest issues with this is everything sounds so freaking loud that it doesn't sound loud anymore it sounds like there's no room for impact i remember <sighs> let's use a let's use a comparison with an album I actually enjoy. Um, we're going back many years. Um, Foo Fighters, one by one. Is that the name of the record? Man, it's embarrassing if I can't remember that. Um, Foo Fighters, one by one. Um, I really enjoy the songs. I really enjoy the uh, arrangements in a lot of places. But it's so heavily compressed that if I listen with my producer ears, every time the kick drum hits, everything around it ducks. And it's like momentarily, the whole song gets quieter every time the kick drum hits. And that bothers me. That annoys me. All you, um, <clears throat> all you hip hop and EDM guys that love ducking, um, uh, I'm not there with you. I'm never going to appreciate that. I can appreciate the skill that it takes to make that sound consistent and intentional. Um, but I'm never going to appreciate that as a, as an artistic thing. Uh, but in the same way, I probably don't appreciate lots of visual art because it just doesn't speak to me. And that's what art really is, is does it speak to me? Does it speak to whoever's looking at it? As long as it speaks. So apparently I can tangent all by myself. As long as, as long as someone is appreciative of it, it has value. Even if that's just one person in the entire damn world, that has value. At least I think so. Anyway, I'm, I don't know where I'm going with all that shit. Um, okay. So I got really excited, um, yesterday and I tweeted this out, um, on the studio Twitter, um, that Rupert Neve designs. Yes. I'm totally going to gear. Rupert Neve designs is coming out with a new product and they didn't say what it was. They just released a little video that said, Hey, something new is coming tomorrow which made me super excited. And I tweeted, what did I tweet? Um, I don't know what it is, but I want to, um, anyway, they released, they released the details this morning and they have recreated, they have recreated the 50 year old, um, diode bridge compressor design and updated it, um, with some modern features, which makes me super, super excited. Now I've only used, a diode compressor in the real world once and that was many many years ago so it's not fair for me to remember with such nostalgia um but i use them i use them um in uh, uh i use them digitally the the um the neve from um, uad i absolutely enjoy um and so I've had my eye on, I've had my eye on some diode bridge compressors 
probably for the last two or three years. Um, the the one from radial, excuse goodness me, the comet or commit or or people want to say that K O M I T, um, and I know it's a Canadian manufactured product. Um, but there's been nothing specifically exciting about it. Um, then recently this summer along comes golden age projects and they release the 500 series version of their, of their, um, diode bridge compressor, which is a cologne is, is a clone of that 50 year old compressor. And it looks spectacular. Absolutely excited. Um, but it's still golden age. Um, it's still, um, made to a price point rather than to a quality point. Um, and so there's always that suspicion of how long will this product last? Uh, uh, which is absolutely something you have to consider when you're buying cheap. And so, <clears throat> you know, you start looking at, at some of the old stuff and these old, the 2254 units, they go for up to, you know, anywhere from five to 10,000 each, I think, which is ridiculous, right? Anyway, so I'm very excited to hear about this Rupert Neve, Rupert Neve new design of their, um, and they're putting it in 500 series, which anybody that's been to my studios knows that I have way too many 500 series units. Um, most excited. So <clears throat> looking at, uh, looking at investing in a couple down the road. Now I have to sell some things to get, but, um, and I'm sure that, uh, that they have to filter out to stores. They might not even be released until, until the new year, but I'm very, very excited. Um, improved features like the blend, uh, like blend control. So you can do parallel processing. Um, uh, there was something else on it. I should just, I wonder if I can bring up a picture. I'm going to pull out my iPad here and let's find out, shall we? Um, I was going to talk more about what a diode compressor is, but um, all the descriptions online, I don't understand. It's too electronic for me. Um, okay, so R&D, they call this unit the 535. Um, go, let's find out. Um, oh, they have them in Sweetwater already. Oh, okay, so they're pretty expensive. Uh, so, $1,000 US. Uh, oh, they're doing pre-orders. Uh, okay. Oh, all they have is black and white pictures. Oh, it's just kind of a grayed out, ugly picture. Um, oh, geez. Uh, okay. What was I going to look up here for? Oh yeah, the picture. Um, so can link two units. Um, they have a side chain high pass, which was standard uh, threshold gain bypass it timing um, one knob for timing for attack and release, which if I remember correctly, that was the, no, that was, um, that was the release timing. That's right. And it had two settings for, um, for timing. The 2254 had, uh, 
um, a limit section, which was three milliseconds and a uh, compressor section. It was six millisecond attack. That's super, super fast. Um, anyway, uh, 500 series. So super excited. And I will find out how to get a couple somewhere down the road and, and, um, and link them in stereo because that will be super fun. Um, Oh, okay. So they have, uh, I gotcha. So it is, um, attack and release that, uh, um, are tied together. You know what? We'll see how the reviews come out because that's not something I usually do. I usually dive in head first. Going to be super fun. Anyway, I'm looking forward to it. Um, uh, it will, it will force me to eliminate some of the lesser used stuff that I keep around here. Right, right. Uh, yeah. Anyway, um, I've also been looking at recently at the Tonalux stuff. Um, and the, uh, the 500 series EQs that, um, they have the EQ five P I think it's called, um, not a lot of reviews on the 500 series, but the 19 inch rack and the V rack, um, uh, EQ, which they're all supposed to, they're all supposed to be the same thing. Um, never know for sure, but, uh, definitely, definitely looking at those for that, for those last, last EQ, excuse me, that, uh, that I want to be using, which is ridiculous when you come to think of it, because I have a lot of stuff. I need to sell stuff. This is me mumbling into the microphone on a radio station. We're on a podcast. I apologize to all of you that are still listening to it at this point. Because really that's getting down to last things of the day. Um, yeah. Oh, I also, um, I am going to dive into, I got see if there was anything exciting that happened it's thanksgiving weekend this is why joey's out of town um those of you that are uh those of you that are down in the states your thanksgiving isn't for um several months no six weeks is it the end of november doesn't matter um ours was this ours was this weekend and so not a lot going on a lot of people had had um family take over their um take over their weekend and so it was, it's, it's always a slow weekend for us anyway um thanksgiving i did spend some time in another studio another local home studio um cool setup first time i've ever sat in front of a i, I, I think it was a 32 inch screen tv as the as the uh, screen Damn, that is too big. Like I feel sometimes that my what are those? I think I think they're twenty-four inch screens. So we got we have two of them in the control room, twenty-four inch screens. And I often think that they're too big. But this thirty-two inch was huge. 
I had to sit an extra foot back because <laughs> it was so big. Um, and I could not see it clearly. Um, I tried, uh, we were running pro tools on a, uh, just a, just a voiceover session, vocal session. Um, and the session went, the session went well, um, at an audio technique of 4040 into, uh, LA 610. Um, and I ran the compressor fairly aggressively, but it was, it sounded really nice. Um, but damn, that screen was so big. We tried the, we tried the edit window in there. Um, and tried the mix window in there and I ended up, I ended up leaving the, um, the mix window over there and putting the edit window on the smaller screen. It was an iMac running as a, excuse me, running the 32 inches as a second screen. But, um, the, uh, um, I didn't do any mixing. It was all, it was all tracking and punch-ins and stuff. So it was just so much easier on the smaller screen of the iMac. Um, yeah, just, just nuts, man. Um, it, and actually that, that serves as a reminder of, of the, I want to use the word shortcomings, but the knowledge gap, you know what? The knowledge gap is the right, is the right word serves as a reminder that the knowledge gap between, between a lot of home studio guys and a lot of, um, uh, commercial studio, um, engineers is the complexity of, of the routing complexity of the understanding of the routing. I, um, so like I said, it was a really, it was a really simple setup. The audio technica, um, in the big tracking room, um, into the 610, the output of the 610 went to line in on an Allen and Heath digital console, um, or a digital hybrid console, something that allows for multi-tracking into, into the DAW. Now, now that setup worked really well. Once I, once I adjusted the gain setting, um, on the, uh, on the line input of the Allen and Heath, but then the, um, the entire output of pro tools was just a stereo mix down in and returned on the stereo line of the, uh, um, on the, on the main bus of the Allen and Heath console, which then went out to both the, um, both the studio monitors and the headphones out in the tracking room. And it was, it was a little, it, it was unexpected because that's not normal. I just really isn't all that typical. Um, specifically I had asked, um, the home studio owner about all of these different routing options and trying to figure out what he has, because that the idea of returning the entire pro tools mix including, um, including the, uh, including the recorded channel, um, through the stereo bus was just a, just a little odd to me. Now I understand not everybody has, not everybody has, um, uh, 
multi-track console but this was this was a 16 this was a 16 channel console that could have easily could have easily returned that through returned the recorded channel through the channel on the console to allow at, at the very least me to solo the damn thing um because if i soloed if i soloed the um uh if i soloed the vocal as he was performing it would solo it would mute all the instruments in his headphones too now in truth in truth it works for him and that's fine um there is plenty of argument not to change just for the sake of change home studios once they get working they should just like go with it um but it took me I certainly confused him with all my questions and he certainly confused me with um, not exactly knowing what I was talking about. And once, once I realized how simple the setup was that he'd, he'd made, um, then we just, we just moved forward and I, and I didn't think about it again until now, I guess, <laughs> right? now is the time that i overthink shit um anyway but it was it was a good session i don't spend a lot of time on sessions outside of the studio i think that's only my second third this year yeah yeah that's my third this year um i did that one live live recording session with soapbox back in the spring i guess when was that was that april it might have been end of march april it would have been april um, maybe even May, whatever. Doesn't matter. <clears throat> um, and the other one was another home studio, but it was good. It was good to, um, it was good to experience that and then come back to my studio and, ex- and experience that. Always nice to rediscover that appreciation for, for, um, what you have um even with all the quirks here <laughs> yeah anyway where do i want to go from there where would i want to go from there um that's a really good question uh hmm i have i have five minutes to fill and i'm not sure i have anything to talk about um <clears throat> oh you know what five minutes to fill this is probably is not going to fill five minutes but um i broke the coffee pot at the studio yesterday i tried to clean it which i don't know some people should say hap- should happen every time um and instead i banged it against the sink and it just shattered in the sink um, so in a rush to replace it, I ran out to Canadian Tire and bought a Black & Decker, um, as simple as I could find, coffee pot. And then followed that up by buying a, uh, um, buying a reusable coffee filter. Um, but I'm not sure how I feel about that. The coffee, the, the, the new coffee pot seems fine. Um, it makes coffee very quickly. It, 12 cups instead of 10 which 
some people will appreciate. Um, had uh, Rob Jarvis, country singer, here last week, and he drank a lot of coffee. I think he said he drank three pots of coffee or somewhere along those lines. Um, maybe it was just two. You know, it was probably just two. Um, but he only made the second pot because there wasn't enough in the first pot. So, you know, maybe we'll make less coffee here. Probably not. I'm probably just going to drink more coffee because no one showed up today and I have 12 cups of coffee ready to go. Um, and I only, I only have one. Well, I mean, I got two up here while I'm talking to you guys. Um, anyway, so we'll see the, uh, those filters, they let some sediment go. Um, and I'm not sure how I feel about that but it tastes like coffee. So we'll, uh, we'll see how that evolves. Um, oh yeah. So, uh, we just bought a new patch bay, um, a new TRS patch bay, just a one rack space unit, um, to go in the second studio here. And it's a Nutrix patch bay. That's exactly the same as the Behringer, um, uh, P1000, I think, or PX1000, something like that. Um, and it is cheaper than the Behringer, at least as far as I can find. Um, I'm dumbfounded at, uh, they're made in the same factory. They have all the same markings on the interior. Um, I know this because I've, I had three of them a few years back, um, as well as two of the Behringer ones. Um, and they were all identical all identical. I, I wish I'd kept them because we need them now, but, um, yeah, I feel like we might've talked about that before too. Uh, I don't know. Anyway, um, I guess we should wrap up by saying we have, uh, we have a Twitter and a email and I gotta be honest. I have to go look up the email. How silly is that? I have to go look up my own damn email. Um, so the email for the, uh, for the podcast is bottom shelf RT at gmail.com. If you guys want to reach out to us, um, to say anything, to tell us that you made it to the end of this episode and you didn't go crazy, or if you did make it to the, didn't make it to the end of the episode, you probably wouldn't know about this email anyway. So bottom shelf RT at gmail.com. Um, we are looking for new and interesting guests to talk to. Um, we went most of the summer without any guests at all. And, and, um, we have a few lined up over the next, over the next couple of months, but whether they show up or not is an entirely different issue because clearly both of the guests that were supposed to show up, they did not, which is fine. I'm, I made it through, I think, um, humbled anyway. <laughs> so yeah, that, <clears throat> that email again, bottom shelf, RT at gmail.com. There's also a Twitter, which I think is at bottom shelf RT. Um, and that's it. We got to go. Uh, I got to go. Thanks for sticking around. If you did, if not, we'll see you next time with Joey back. Follow our hosts on Twitter 
at Two Bodies of Water. You got that mic in a comfortable spot yet? I'm still working on it. At Joey R. Engineer. I can't even talk. I don't remember what my point was. This is a boring podcast. Um, I realize at the end of this, we didn't introduce ourselves. On to the internet you go. Go switch off.